Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or other healthcare provider, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sena, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome everyone to season two, episode 22 of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast, another installment in the Solving the Associate Problem series that we've been putting on. And this one is Becoming a Professional Recruiter. I thought I was a professional dentist. What the heck is a professional recruiter? Well, I'm gonna dive into all of that. This will surely be a note-taking episode. So get your pad and pen ready. I might even give you a link to a video afterwards when I'm done. Brew another cup of that wonderful meal of coffee. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is off and running. Thank you, everyone, once again for joining us on the show today or joining me on the show today. This is Perrin Desports, and I am your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. And as I teased in the introduction, um, this solving the associate problem is multifaceted. And uh, as you've heard me say on prior episodes, um, if if you don't have a holistic solution and if you're not raising the level of your game here, you're just going to create the hamster on a wheel scenario. And associate turnover is the biggest problem of every group practice. I want to give you some tools and tricks uh, and some tips to play it at a higher level. I want you to find the right candidates. I want you to retain them for the long haul. And I want you to minimize associate turnover to the best of your ability. If you can do that, you're going to create a you have a you stand a better chance of creating a successful group for sure. So the uh, the philosophy, if you will, that we've been espousing uh, and, and the comprehensive solution revolves around three aspects. It is recruiting, onboarding, and development. Recruiting, onboarding, and development. And the prior episode of the podcast, I, I, I sort of dove deep into creating five areas of certainty for five aspects of certainty in your recruiting um, uh, thought process, if you will. I, I'm not going to refresh all of that um, because that was the entire prior episode. But if you're needing more of a, a, a quick refresh, the five points of certainty were around income, uh, fitting in, clinical skill development, being part of a winning team, and obviously ownership. Um, we will go into ownership uh, at a greater level probably on our next podcast, but I want to stick with the recruiting piece, and and I titled this one "Becoming a Professional Recruiter," and I did that for a reason. So let's take a, a pause for just a quick second here, because when you're building a group, you're going to be recruiting, and you're going to be recruiting often. I've said in prior episodes that recruiting needs to be one of your top three priorities, and it's twenty four seven. It's not something that you should stop and start ever. You should try to maintain momentum. You should always try to have uh, a laundry list of 
uh, potential associates, even if they're working in other practices, you never know how things are are going for them. You never know when something might not work out for them, but you always want to be top of mind <clears throat> and really, really be ready uh, when you do have a growth position that opens up, or if you do have any turnover, you should have a couple of candidates that are probably you know, nearby, so to speak, or, or might be mine ready for you to potentially bring them on board. So this mindset of, uh, of being a, a professional recruiter and having it be in your top three priorities and something that is always um, part of your role 24-7 is really more uh, in contrast to the, the people you're competing against for those associates. It's different if you are a solo practice owner and you want to bring on an associate and the idea is that associate would come on board, uh, work for a couple of years, buy 50% of the practice, work for a couple more years, then buy you out for the remaining 50%. And that's kind of your built-in transition plan. I know that associateships fail to work out frequently. You know, it's disappointing. Um, but let's face it, if you're a solo practice owner, you're probably not going to recruit very many associates and you're not going to recruit very many associates continuously. It's going to be a one and done endeavor outright, or it might be a one and done endeavor only to be repeated in a couple of years if, if the current one fails or something like that. That's really, really different than the needs of a growing group practice. And if you are building a group, you need to think about the way enterprise level DSOs recruit, and you need to measure yourself against them. You don't even need to measure yourself against your peers who are building group practices. And there's a fundamental reason why. Many of your peers make as big a mess out of this as do any of the uh, solo practice owners. On the other hand, we hear about enterprise level DSOs being in all of the dental schools consistently and having uh, regional recruiting specialists and, and the people that focus on making connections with um, D3 and D4 students or, or people who are in residency programs and even outside of residency programs to try to recruit them into their enterprise level groups. These are professional recruiters. They work within the HR uh, department, they have marketing materials, they understand how to um, engage with a, a prospective uh, or future grad or prospective associate, they understand their hot buttons, they understand how to really sell them uh, on uh, joining the, the larger growing group. And those men and women who are in the HR departments of enterprise level DSOs are uh, trained, they're coached, they have a lot of experience, they have a lot of uh, collateral material to back up what they're proposing and presenting. Um, they are professional, and that is the standard by which you need to start measuring yourself. And I'm going to give you a couple of points to think about as, as you sort of lay this out in your mind here. Um, when we talk about becoming a professional recruiter, I mentioned before that it is a constant process, um, and, and it is. It is something where you are wanting to identify, 
all the potential uh, associates in your local marketplace uh, that don't work for you right now. Um, who are they? Where do they work? Do they split time between multiple groups? Um, you know, what are what are they looking for? It, it's not hard for uh, you as a licensed dentist to work through your uh, state dental society to get the roster and contact information of all the other licensed dentists. I can't do that because I'm not a, a paying member of the, the group, but most states will allow you that. So whether it's local study clubs, whether it's dental, uh, you know, chapter dental societies, where the state dental societies, or even working through attorneys, accountants, dental supply reps, um, manufacturer partners, uh, marketing agencies, et cetera, et cetera. Who do they know who are uh, associates in other practices? And what can you find out about any of those associates to start to build a list? You got to start somewhere. And really, list building uh, and contact list building specifically is the most important thing for you to begin with. It is the key first cornerstone. So, you know, building a list of people that you've never met that are in your area uh, that could be a potential pipeline of candidates. You want to reach out to them. You want to connect with them. You want to find out if they're a partner in those businesses, meaning they're a part owner in it. They're probably not going to leave those businesses. Um, but if they're not, you know, buy them a cup of coffee, buy them a sandwich, buy them a beer, get to know them. What are their future aspirations? Do they just want to be an associate? Um, you know, and, and only work part-time and have a lot of degrees of flexibility around life and everything? Or is there not a pathway for them to become a partner in that business right now, but they really do want to be a partner in something at some point in time? That's really important for you to know. You want to have a list of potential candidates um, that, that you have made contact with that you kind of vetted, for lack of a better term. They know you and you know them. And you might like to talk with them at greater length when you do have an opening coming for a growth position, or if you have to replace somebody who, who gives their notice of resignation. So that's the first thing, building a pipeline. It's incredibly important to always have a pipeline outnumber your opportunities uh, to, to the best degree possible. Um, and that also has to come from a variety of sources if there is a known recruiting cycle. Um, you know, it's obvious that some uh, people base their hiring cycle on, uh, you know, dental school graduate graduation dates or, or um, uh, you know, uh, residency type of, uh, you know, graduation periods. And, and this is especially true in the specialty world that those types of recruiting cycles have a cyclical nature and they kind of ebb and flow, but you definitely want to be mindful of that. I've got a, a consulting client who uh, is really sharp in, in this aspect. And when he recruits uh, in the local dental schools, he's in sort of a rural market and um, he recruits from a, a couple of different dental schools in the state where he is. And he looks for the um, young uh, D, uh, D2 and D3 people who are in the dental school who are from 
the small towns that are in his geographic area. So this, the, the whole mentality here is that the likelihood, you know, of him, of him being able to recruit um, somebody from Charlotte, North Carolina, for example, to go to a rural uh, town in Eastern North Carolina, is probably not very high because a rural town's really small and somebody who's from Charlotte's going to want a big city feel. On the other hand, there's somebody in are from one of those small rural towns and they want to come back home to be the hometown kid that, that made good and made us, you know, became a professional and was successful. Then if he starts that recruiting process two to three years down the road, he probably has a pipeline of worthy candidates who are mind ready to come back to that hometown. And he can start thinking about either buying or building a practice for them and kind of magically have an acquisition materialized just at the point that the hometown kids coming out of dental school. It's really genius to be able to map that up and to be able to read the tea leaves multiple years out. So when we say known cycles, I'm not just talking about six months down the road. I'm talking about, depending on what your growth strategy is, multiple years down the road, reaching into dental schools at a very, very early stage. There's also the um, aspect of, you know, if you're going to attend one of the national shows um, or, or, you know, want to to use those uh, national gatherings um, as part of a recruiting cycle, an engagement process to stay top of mind with people. And when I when I say an engagement process, you're going to meet with a lot of people to recruit. And then when you do meet with them, how do they remember you? What's their key takeaway? Are you just going to give them a business card? You know, this is usually a verbal conversation that's going to happen across a table or at a booth or something like that, or maybe over a beer. You can't rely on them remembering everything about your business the way that you do. So you got to have some type of a leave behind, whether it's a one-page flyer with a QR code and a video or, or something like that, that you give to them something to put in their hand that ta- that is a humble brag about your business. And you really want them to, to remember the conversation with you because there's something that, that they took away. At the same time, you want to capture their contact information. Uh, first name, last name, probably cell phone number, uh, email address, um, you know, any other information, graduation date, if not this year, you know, just whatever, whatever you contact information you want to find out. And then once, uh, once you've gone your separate ways, magically send them something the following week to say, Hey, great meeting you. Thanks for your time. Could be a coffee cup and some coffee beans with your logo on it, your favorite roaster locally or something like that, that, you know, Hey, this is our favorite coffee roaster in Charlotte. I hope you enjoy it. Something like that. Um, You know, maybe one of the things you find out about them when, when you meet them is, are you a coffee or a tea drinker or something like that? Um, You could send them something that's like a unique food item from your area you could email them some things that would be helpful to them, like a top 10 list of things to know to get ready for your first associateship. You know, there's stuff like that that's kind of value added, but if you don't capture their contact information, how are you ever going to stay top of mind with them? Could send them a, a video link, uh, you know, uh, of a staff, um, of your staff holding up a welcome sign with their name on it, hoping that they join your team. 
uh, the top five things that employees love most about working at your business. Think about the engagement process as a process with multiple touch points. If you want to have somebody really excited about possibly joining your group, you can't just verbalize that. You have to have a way of staying top of mind. And staying top of mind probably means, excuse me, multiple touch points over several weeks worth of time that reinforces messaging, reinforces culture, uh, reinforces that you're interested in them. Um, That separates uh, yourself a lot from your would-be competitors. And the last thing I would tell you is when you do meet them in person, whenever it is, wherever it is, you have to have some type of a recruiting presentation that tells your story long after you're gone. And this is something we're starting to do with our associate equity clients um, as an option. Some of them want it, some of them don't need it. But, you know, a lot of them that have a a great associate equity model and they've genuinely built a great business and have a lot, uh, have a great story to tell, they don't have a means of telling it. I mean, they can tell it verbally if you and I are sitting down at a, you know, having a cup of coffee together. There's no better person to tell it than them. But you got to remember that people don't retain as much that they hear versus what they see. So printed materials or video or things that people can refer back to when you're no longer present are critically important. So a recruiting deck. Uh, And we had these at Patterson and a lot of corporate America company, every corporate America company has them. And I would venture to tell you that most um, enterprise level DSOs have them as well. So a recruiting deck is probably somewhere. It's a presentation that you print off in PDF spiral bound or something like that, uh, that you give a copy to the candidate. And it's probably somewhere between eight and 20 pages long, depending on what you want to talk about. It's got everything from your mission statement to like a, a welcome statement from the founder and CEO talks about your core values. I mentioned that on a, a prior podcast. If you know, if you don't care about your core values, don't expect anybody else to. But here's your chance to really promote your core values. Uh, the culture and, and clinical uh, outlook for the business, uh, the, the chief dental officer or chief clinical officer having an opportunity to, to make a statement uh, or say something in the deck is important because all of these businesses are, are, you know, at the end of the day, they should all be patient-centered and clinically driven, essentially. So you want the opportunity for them to hear from your chief uh, dental officer. Uh, the opportunity to tell your story historically, you know, from a, a level of success and the timeline of success uh, for the business that you've created and where you are now. Uh, some some aspects around the current business profile, like number of um, providers, number of partners, number of employees, Google ratings, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, current team profile in terms of tenure, years experience. Again, these are, these are ways to reinforce confidence in your business. You're probably going to have a patient testimonial in there somewhere about a dramatic outcome that you were able to create uh, for a, a patient or several patients. You want to talk about um, the city that you're located in or the area that you're located in. If somebody is not from that area and they're thinking about moving there, that's probably one of the biggest points of anxiety. 
if they're a, a young uh, associate and they're single, what is it like to be single in that city? Or if they're a young married couple and, or they, maybe they have young kids, what's it like to raise a family in that city? Here's your point to kind of brag about the location where you are and, and try to promote it um, in, its, uh, in its greatest light. You obviously want to have employee testimonials um, in this type of a deck. You want to talk about your, your uh, historical success and outlook for future growth. I mentioned the uh, onboarding plans uh, and the clinical development plans and compensation plans that you have. Here's a point to hit those at a, at a kind of a high level. And if you do have the opportunity for them to become a partner, here's a point where you, you need to address that philosophically and practically. You don't need to address it in all of its glory, but you need to solve that uncertainty uh, if you do have a pathway to becoming a partner. And there may be the opportunity to share an, uh, another employee testimonial from a young associate who's, who's either bought in or earned into the business to kind of validate what you're promoting. This is the, the opportunity in this type of a deck to talk about what makes you different and also what you're looking for in terms of candidates and then possibly lay out the next steps along the way to lining up an interview, et cetera, probably closing with your contact information. So a recruiting deck is something that I would tell you uh, none of the solo practice owners uh, have when they recruit associates and probably they don't need one. I would tell you that almost all of the enterprise level DSOs have a recruiting deck. And I would tell you that most of the uh, emerging groups, the doctor founded and debt funded groups, the people who are in this audience, most of the people in this audience don't have a recruiting deck. So if you build one, you are going to separate yourself from your peers and you stand a better chance of playing the recruiting game at a more professional level the way uh, an enterprise level DSO would. Like I say, this is something that we've just developed and started using with some of our associate equity um, uh, candidate or our uh, clients, excuse me, uh, because most of them don't have that. Um, but it is something that I think is really worthy of your time to give some thought to, because once again, recruiting has to be um, at your top you know, three decision points in terms of focus uh, every year. And it's something that um, should be ongoing and a deck will help you kind of bring all of that to life. So hopefully that is um, you know, educational at some level for you. I, I really, I feel like Y'all have, the people in this audience have a tremendous opportunity in the coming years to recruit a lot of quality young people into your organization. Um, if you can get the right ones, if you can create uh, clarity around onboarding, have them you know, see themselves fitting into your business, create a, a clinical skill development program for them so they become masters at their craft, create a pathway to becoming a partner for them, you can really lock them up for the long haul and you can minimize a lot of your headaches, honestly. You'll build a more successful business uh, and, and one that you feel ultimately more in control of. And if you can do that, um, I think you'll have a lot more 
joys in terms of being a business owner. And if you look to exit the business, you're probably going to have the opportunity to, to command a higher valuation as well. So hopefully all of that starts to, to fit in your mind about when we say professional recruiter, what we're talking about, why it's important, and really where you need to be with it in the coming years. Um, if you do have questions around any of that, or certainly what we do in any of our associate equity models or the recruiting decks that, that we build for clients, feel free to reach out to me directly at parent at polarishealthcarepartners.com. Stick around. We'll be right back with some additional thoughts to wrap up the show. So before we wrap things up, I wanted to take a, a couple of more seconds and, and kind of put a bow around this uh, professional recruiter thing. And um, I recorded a video uh, that we will link to in the show notes um, uh, that kind of thumbs through a demo deck uh, that we built. It's a little bit tongue in cheek. I built one around Polaris Dental Partners Group. Um, because we had all the logos and everything on it. Um, it's, a, it's a demo deck. It's a bogus deck. And you'll see that when you hear from Dr. Perrin Desports in the uh, beginning that it's all completely a, a farce. But, you'll, but we did take some time with it to create the demonstration deck to kind of lay out what we're hoping that you'll be able to achieve in it um, and, and the way to think through some of it. And like I say, this is something that we are going to start building for our clients um, uh, for those who need it, uh, at least it'll be an additional service, obviously, um, at Polaris, but I, I think it'll help a lot of them kind of fine tune or craft their vision for the business itself, but also help to, to create a, a communication point, talking point, um, for, uh, for our clients and hopefully help them to recruit at a, at a higher level. So if you want to see what one of those looks like, um, you know, it's probably like a 10 to 12 minute video, if that, uh, and we'll link to it in the show notes, um, uh, probably off of our, uh, our YouTube page or something like that. And, um, uh, hopefully you find some value in that. If you do have further questions on it, feel free to hit me back. I'm happy to, to try to help you out in any way that I can. As I said before, you can submit questions directly to me at parent@polarishealthcarepartners.com. And of course, if you want to find out more about us, uh, you can check us out on our website at www.polarishealthcarepartners.com. Thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber. We will see you on the next episode.